welcome everybody to the Home Health Chronicles podcast, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, today's episode, we're going to kind of discuss the hot topic of therapy versus nursing. Questions submitted from y'all for one, kind of how to deal with family members, and two, the office limiting visits. Uh, we'll hear from the nursing side of home health and then finish off with some crazy stories from the week. So, all right. Uh, just kind of a quick intro. Who am I? Uh, I've been a PT for 10 years. I've been in home health for six. I run the Home Health Chronicles Instagram page and kind of started this podcast to help you not feel so alone out there in this crazy world of home health. So I do have our first guest here with me, Miranda. Uh, she is a nurse, so maybe y'all can stop telling me how much I hate nurses. And uh, I'll kind of let her say hello and introduce herself. Hi, guys. I'm Miranda. Um, I'm a registered nurse. I've been a registered nurse for 15 years now. Um, I've been working in home health care for four years. Um, and I I can truly say, because I worked in so many areas of nursing, for the time and the phase of my life right now, this is my home. I know that that might change in years to come, but right now I love it for a multitude of reasons. Um, and I'm very passionate about it. And um, part of, well, I get a lot like, oh, you're so young to be in home care. I feel like in nursing school, it's not really... It's, I feel like it's not really so much discussed as an option. And so I created my own like Instagram page for like to focus on my home health stuff because I would really love to educate other nurses and make it a positive space to encourage people to go into home care because I mean, I could talk about this later, but basically healthcare, I mean, I think we know this, uh, the, the whole healthcare is, is changing. I think we're definitely in a transitional period post pandemic. But um, in home care, we're getting a lot more sicker, a lot more acute patients. And um, so, yeah, so my I think communication and education is key to making positive changes for everyone involved. So that's my oh, story. <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> we it's definitely a kind of a changing world out there and I think we're definitely getting more people into home care and it's becoming a kind of more popular in a sense a lot more people are skipping rehabs and skipping um they're just going straight from hospital to home so absolutely and I think a lot of that is post-pandemic because I mean or even during the pandemic because it's like if people didn't have to be in the hospital they weren't so we were getting highly acute more skilled patients because it's like, wait a minute, um, we can do this at home. And then the other side of it is obviously insurances love it because it's cheaper for them to pay for home care than, you know, inpatient stays. Um, and honestly, in my opinion, I think it's better for the patient because it's more realistic. You know, I feel like right. they get to do therapy you know, uh, and all therapies and nursing in their home, where, where, where they actually live in the hospital, it's like everything is different, right? Oh, yeah. I always tell like some of the other counselors, like what those patients are telling you is not what is actually true in their home, you know, and trying to, I can't even tell you how many different setups there are in bathrooms and bedrooms and kitchens that you just can't 
simulate in the therapy environment as much as we try in SNFs or inpatient rehabs because there's just so many different factors that go into a home that you can't, you just don't know until you're there. Absolutely. And then just the culture and just their home life, like what they do day to day that affects their health care tremendously. Right. Um, perfect. So I think we can kind of get started with one of the hot topics of therapy versus nursing. Uh, do we get along? Do I hate nurses? Of course I don't. Um, do y'all hate therapists? And I kind of think, you know, if we communicate together, that just makes it a hundred percent better. Um, I definitely do not hate no nurses. Um, I hate people that don't do their job and people that screw me over. <laughs> and usually in home care, I think PT and nursing are pretty directly connected. Uh, the nurses are usually the first ones out seeing the patient and PTs directly following either same day or next day. And things that usually kind of piss me off is when, you know, the nurse goes out and the patient's not home and they don't do the admission and they don't tell me or the address is wrong or um, they send them out to the hospital that day or something that's going on communication wise that's not told to me and then I'm kind of screwed over. So that's usually where, you know, I kind of talk about and it's, oh, you hate nurses. It's like, well, no, I don't. We have really, really great nurses and awesome ones and they communicate with me and I communicate with them. But I don't, I think there's always kind of a nursing versus therapy in any setting. Uh, how do you kind of, how do you feel about it from a nursing perspective? So I will say I find in home care, at least in the agency I've worked with, what that I'm currently working with, that there's a lot more communication and that is just key. Like, I feel like we're really close and we, every morning we have a call where we get on and we talk about how many points we have or any patient issues or like usually whenever a start of care is done the next day, you like present like a, you know, a few, like you give a little spiel about the patient, you know, overview so that everybody else can hear. So um, and if, you know, if the clinician's going out the same day, like I have a start today and the clin the physical therapist we talked yesterday is going out today as well. So I communicated with him because we've actually met the station before. Um, but I'm like, okay, well, as, when I finish my start, I'll give you a call to let you know any heads up. And I think that that communication is key. And I don't have any, I'm, I feel the same way as you. And to be honest, my problems are usually with other nurses and I don't hate <laughs> nurses and I don't believe in like eating our young, but it's, you know, like, cause that is a big thing in nursing, but it's usually the other nurses because something won't be communicated because as an RN, I do supervisory visits and sometimes an, an LPN or maybe another, I'm covering for another RN's patient and I'll go there and it'll be like a whole bunch of different things that should have been addressed. And right. so that's yes. I'm the same as you, people who don't do their job and people who don't communicate um, because even physical therapists can send a patient out or that they know that the patient's going to Orlando for the weekend, you know, or whatever. Um, and it's just that communication part. And then again, people who don't follow up and do their jobs like they're supposed to, that is frustrating for me. And like I said, usually my problem is with other nurses and I don't hate nurses. Same thing as you. It's like the follow through it and just the communication. But I will say when I worked in a SNF at one point, I mean, every 
place has a different culture, but there's definitely more of a disconnect between nursing and therapy at times. Um, because, you know, nurses have multiple, pa- I mean, I know therapists have multiple patients, but like if you're in a Smith, sometimes you have like 15 or more patients and you're trying to prioritize meds and different things and blood pressures and pain medication. And then therapy, you know, kind of has their own agenda. So it can be difficult to coordinate in like a sniff setting. Um, so I think that's where that comes from, the, you know, therapy versus nursing. But in home care, I don't feel as as much aggression. I feel like at least where I work now, we get along and communicate and collaborate well. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Because I've worked in sniffs too. And it's like therapists, we're under such high productivity demands. That's kind of why I left because they were getting outrageous that you have to see a patient like then and there and you're on the clock. And if they're not ready or something's happening, you're basically just going to get yelled at almost in a sense. But true in home care, I mean, we really are able to work together much more. And the biggest thing is communication. So that's the thing that really just drives me up the effing wall is it does not take that long to send a quick text, to send an email about the important things. And that goes such a long way to know, and for the patient too, that they know we're on the same page. Like you go and I'm calling and like, well, didn't the nurse tell you that I'm in the hospital or I'm out of town or same thing. Didn't the OT say, or the PTA or the CODA or the speech therapist, didn't they tell you? And you're, then you kind of look like an idiot and that we have bad communication and it kind of affects everything overall. Cause I really do think, you know, I have work with one nurse who's awesome and she communicates everything and her notes are amazing. And it really shows kind of that collaboration of care and then the opposite of one person that doesn't communicate anything and it's kind of a shit show. So. I agree yeah, too. I think, I think notes are impertinent because like, even it like sometimes not to say there's not time, but like I said, when I'm covering for another nurse's patient, I'll look back through. So I know the history, like, okay, what's, what's the deal with this patient? What's going on? And if the note just says um, assessment performed, um, wound care provided, you know, whatever. It's like, it doesn't give me a picture of what's actually going on. And same thing, like, you know, communication is key because as nursing, I mean, I know it's the same PT, but we look at the whole body and like nutrition is a huge part in, you know, educating the patient about their diagnosis. But like if speech has said, okay, do this, do that, you know, if they communicate that to the nurse, it's so much easier to, you know, say, well, I'm not going to recommend a patient, you know, do this because it would go against what the speech therapist has recommended, you know, vice versa. Right. So for everybody listening, communicate to your coworkers. It's not hard. Just do it. And now things definitely, you know, you have crazy days, things happen, but it's when it happens over and over and over and over again that you're the problem then. So... (laughs) just communicate. It's not, it's not hard. Um, okay. So let's move on to some kind of questions that were submitted by a couple people over this week. Uh, the first one is asking kind of dealing with family members and there's kind of all different types of family members. You've got the ones that aren't involved at all. Ones that are kind of overbearing. They're sitting in every session. They're trying to dictate everything. And then ones that are you know, either 
aggressive or mean or contacting you. So kind of how do you deal with them? Deal with the family members. Are you direct? Do you shut it down? Do you laugh it off? Do you, you know, do you have a certain go-to? Um, kind of what are your, what are your thoughts on the family members? So for me, I try to lead with humor because I don't like to be confrontational. If can, I try to be like, like when like I'm doing like the assessment and like, you know, the family members answering all the questions and I kind of have to tell them, oh, well, let, let me see what your mom thinks. And like, kind of like, like, I'd like to hear her point of view. Because typically, you know, when I do my um, assessment, I'll ask them, like, what's the reason why you went to the hospital? Now, I've read the HMP and I might know why they went. But sometimes it's different. Because like the family member will say they had a stroke. And I say, okay, what well, did you? How did you know they were having a stroke? And the family member will say, well, I was watching TV, and this started happening. So like the symptoms and stuff like that, like you want to hear it from their point of view. The family member isn't always to, able to give it from their point of view. And then with like the cognitive exam, you need the patient's answers. Not, you know, so right. I kind of have to, I try to lead with humor, but there have been situations like with, okay, I get a lot like, oh, well, we need my mom to take her medicine, to do this, to do that. And it, especially if it's like, you know, and I get it, a lot of people work. So you might, even if they live with their family member, they're at work all the day. And then, so I kind of try to explain to them, we'll have like different methods. Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Oh yeah, yeah, we've tried everything. He doesn't listen. He does, and and then I kind of have to bring them back to reality. So, you, what do you expect me to do? Like I'm gonna try yeah. my best, but I'm not a miracle worker, you know. So if you're telling me your family member has a history, and granted, sometimes when they hear it from a different person or a healthcare professional, it works, and I try my hardest. But sometimes I have to kind of bring the family member down to reality and say, like, well, um, you know, we can't I if you can't force your dad to take the medication, neither can I. You know, I can encourage them. I can educate them. I can put, you know, things into place. But sometimes it's like that reality. And I think the funny thing is I never wanted to go into peds for a multitude of reasons. But one of the reasons is I did work in a pediatric office and I was like, oh, my gosh, when you go into pediatrics, you um have to deal with the patient and the parent and then oh, yeah, I could um, never do it well There's right no but, so I started you know doing more med surge stuff and I love geriatrics with home care we get a good mix I I work in adult care right now there are pediatric home agencies that I don't work for them but um it's funny now because even still most of the time with a patient you're dealing with another family member too and sometimes they're the biggest problem so you kind of have to combat that um not only the patient so, so and, and sometimes a lot of the visits, depending on, you know, and I know you deal with this a lot, too, with prior level of function that, you know, because the family member will say, well, I want my mom to walk again. And then it'll be like, well, when's the <laughs> last time she walked? Oh, four years ago. Well, that may not be her reality now. So a lot of times you're like literally like a therapist and, you know, therapeutic communication with the family member, because sometimes you have to adjust their expectations to even do your job effectively. You know, yeah, 100%. I, I get that, that exact scenario. I can't even tell you how many times of what are your goals? I want to be able to walk. When was the last time you walked? It's been two to three years now. It's like, okay, well, let's try and think about goals and expectations. And some I've actually had some people that haven't walked in two to three years, and we've actually got them up and walking. And it because they just either didn't have therapy or didn't have the motivation 
but those are usually rare cases depending on what's going on but oh it's definitely possible i've definitely seen some amazing things and that's why i love what we do but i think if it's like the patient's been bed bound for four years they have you know like different comorbidities where you kind of can tell it's most likely not a reality you have to be the one to unfortunately try to bring down the family member to reality you know and a lot of times it'll be family members who aren't local or aren't as involved and don't really, you know, and I try if I have a family member who's not local or involved to um, call them after my starter care. I, did you hear me? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I had, I like to say like, okay, what, you know, when's the last time you saw your mom? Because this is my impression. And sometimes the family members will cry. They'll be like, I didn't know it was that bad. You know, my sister's there, but she doesn't tell me things because then you have to get into family relations. Oh, well, I don't talk to this sister. There's four of us, but these two don't talk. These two don't get along. This one lives here. This one doesn't. And then you're like, you kind of have to find the one point person because you can't give reports to like five different people, you know? Right. Um, and there's but, such uh, different family dynamics out there too, that you have to deal with. And uh, kind of navigate and you you get better I think as you have more experience with how to navigate the different family members and family dynamics but then also the biggest thing is to not take it personally right because a lot of times we're going into homes and these people are sick they're not at their best and there's a lot going on there's new dynamics Um, caregivers and family members don't know you know, don't know how to react, don't know what to do, or overwhelmed, they're overworked, and trying to see it, you know, from their perspective, I will say caregiving is the hardest job in this, the hardest job in the world. Um, and- Absolutely, and you're right about that, like, you have to kind of look at everything that they have, and what they're dealing with, too, and I have learned over the years not to take it personal. Now, people are outwardly nasty or mean, I don't tolerate that, Um, but if you can just tell that they're overwhelmed, sometimes if you just talk, like you can usually talk to them and say, you know, even just saying, this is a lot, you know, you're doing a lot and people will break down and cry to you. Yep. (laughs) And I know we are also like psychologists, therapists as well, (laughs) more sometimes than I do actual physical therapy in visits at times. Yeah. And, you know, I do like that part of the job because I feel like in a hospital or like a sniff setting, you don't really get that much hands on or that much touch time or even like getting to really know the patient or their family. And I do love that about this. Me too. But sometimes it can be it can be the difficult part. It's just the double edged sword. Right. And it's very mentally draining, I think, on myself as well. Sometimes when you get these pretty complex cases and emotional cases, and you're being kind of the venting point too, and it it can really drain you. And I'll come home sometimes. I'm like, I don't want to speak. I don't want to listen. I just need a moment to not definitely and then you have to sit down and, and write it all out I mean yeah. I try to do all of my documentation at home but I usually uh. save my write notes but I save my narrative for at home so it's like it's that at the end of the day you have to then regurgitate everything that happened yeah <laughs> so in our own form of therapy but it you know yes, it can be yes. it can be a lot 
um, the last thing for family members, I think dealing with somebody that is rude, aggressive, I mean, really, you got to kind of shut it down um, or get your supervisor involved because that should not be tolerated. Um, you shouldn't ever have to feel unsafe in an environment. And really, if if it's not addressed at the beginning, it's something that's going to continue and you can kind of also make that judgment call yourself like, oh, is it just a one-off type of thing? They made a made a comment and, you know, we kind of laugh it off and move on. Or is it something that's going to kind of keep happening and it needs to be addressed? And, you know, I don't, I'm not going to tolerate the way you speak to me like that. I'm here for your family member. And if there's, you know, an issue talking with a supervisor, if you don't feel comfortable addressing because I'm not a very confrontational person. So I have a hard time with that. I'll kind of just brush things off. But if it were a situation of saying either talking to another clinician that's in the case or a supervisor that needs to call and discuss, discuss with the patient or the family member, because you really, you need to be able to feel comfortable and safe in the environment. Absolutely. And I think I, I am similar to you. Like I try to like give people the benefit of the doubt if they're like, now I've never been in a situation where I've outwardly felt unsafe because I would immediately be like, no, I've been in some uncomfortable situations. Uh, one was a patient was like outwardly somewhat being sexual and um, I just did what I had to did and leave. And then I immediately called my supervisor. Like I've done in other situations and said, I will not be going back to that patient's house. Here's what happened. If I feel truly uncomfortable or, or threatened in any way, yes. here's what happened. I will not be going back to that patient. So, you know, it's then their call to see if they're going to find another nurse or, you know, deal with it. Because I feel like we have enough on our plate and there's just so much in behind the scenes of just, you know, the politics of home oh, health care. Yeah. And I feel like I don't have the time or the patience to deal. And that's why I don't have patience, but to deal with people or situations where I feel unsafe or uncomfortable, it's just unacceptable. And I will, I've had situations where I've had to say like, well, I'm just trying to my best to help you, you know, and it's usually, again, they're frustrated. There's a lot of things going on, you know, hurt people, hurt people, obviously, right. usually they're hurting, but kindness goes a long way. If they're being outwardly unkind or nasty, it's like, it's, it's a no for me. Yeah, 100%. Okay, let's move on to the office or companies kind of limiting visits. Now, I don't know, I can kind of speak on the therapy side because we kind of get told, um, especially now with like PDGM or PDPM, I, I get them confused, that we only get 20 visits and an episode in the two months for all disciplines. And so they're saying, oh, you know, if the patient has therapy needs, like have PT come in first and then OT come in later. And then if speech is involved, it's, you know, an even bigger mess. And I really think speech totally gets screwed uh, with this because PT is always in first. And I think like 99% of the time, PT is always in. Doctors always refer to PT um, for everything like oh their memory their memory is bad and they fell pt in i'm like okay but it's it's very it's very frustrating and my thoughts are and i often get in 
uh, fights and arguments about, well, this is what I think my patient needs. And I will, you know, have some wiggle room of say, okay, I can maybe remove a visit or two. Um, but if it's somebody that truly, truly needs, especially with us getting sicker patients and, you know, somebody's just had a stroke and they got 12 days in a rehab and they come home with minimal family support and so much going on. They need PT, they need OT, and they need speech. And waiting, especially in a time like that, and is just ridiculous. And we, I have this argument all the time, I'm like we are different professions. Physical therapy does different things than occupational therapy and does way different things than speech. And I cannot address all of these things in physical therapy in a 45-minute visit twice a week. They need more disciplines. And sometimes, you know, they'll they'll give back. And other times, I'm like, well, I wrote my order. I got it approved by the doctor. And so if you're going to change it, you need to tell the patient. You need to put your name on it. So, and I usually don't get as much pushback, I think, as some other people or clinicians that just kind of accept the fact. Um, so I don't know how it is kind of on the nursing aspect. If Do they limit your visits? Do they tell you what you kind of can and can't do visit-wise? Yeah, so lately that's been the new thing, and it's similar to what you're saying. And I don't know, oh, you know, we always get it's coming from corporate, it's coming from insurance, it's coming from Medicare. Like, I don't know enough about that part of it. And thankfully. Um, but we do, we are being told to reduce visits, try to, you know, you don't always have to front load, but it depends because like you said, like, let's use the example patient newly had a stroke. So if they had a stroke, technically, probably most likely, I mean, there's different types of strokes, but they most likely had, um, uncontrolled hypertension. And so for that, we need to look at medication compliance. We need to look at, um, diet compliance. We need to look at, um, blood pressure monitoring. Are they tracking, you know, all of these different things um, to address so that they don't have another stroke or, you know, to keep them, you know, stabilized. And um, again, part of that is nutrition. So if they are having swallowing difficulties, we need speech to advise so we can help set them up on a diet that's going to actually be workable for them. So, and then there, you know, it's a little bit different with nursing because if there's an IV, usually they allow us the visit. Or if there's a wound, but then like, okay, so a doctor will write orders for wound care daily. And sometimes the nurse will go in and say, okay, we'll, you know, contact the doctor. It doesn't need daily wound care, you know, X, Y, Z. But then we'll get from, or sometimes we'll get from the office, can you reduce visits on the wound? I mean, and then I'll say like, no, the patient needs, because of the type of treatment or the type of wound, needs daily wound care, for example. But there's nobody able to do it. And the, you know, so that to me is something that should have been assessed on the back end. So if you knew that the patient, you know, cause the order, it, the orders come from a doctor, we have to follow the doctor's orders. So if it came with orders for daily wound care, why didn't, why wasn't the family or, you know, support system assessed before we went in there? Because if you want me to reduce visits, you know, again, I'm not a miracle worker. And, right. and also with like the stroke patient, like I said, looking at all the different, you know, facets of, teaching the patient is their family involvement all those things matter and and it is a, a disciplinary effect you know everybody you know because I, I mean I hate to say this but I know you say PT is always first and a lot of times PT is like you know the go-to 
But a lot of times that's the patient's biggest concern. I can't walk or I can't, you know, move and stuff like that. It is. I mean, it usually is. It is. And and so that's great. So when I go in, sometimes I get, well, you're not the therapist. And I'm like, no, like, I feel like they don't realize, like, they just want to walk. But it's like, there's so much more that needs to happen, too. So a lot of times, they'll say, we don't need nursing, or, oh, we the nurse can come once a week, which is fine, sometimes, especially if it's education based. But yeah. it's just like the same thing with with physical therapy, they could say you could come in and just do an exercise program, you know, but at the same time, are they going to follow through? We all know that carryover and, you know, them having someone actually there to walk through, to watch their progression, see how they're actually doing, you know, is, is more, you know, a more effective way of treating the patient, you know, not just throwing them a paper and saying, have a nice day. Oh, 100%. So, and, and I'm like, I agree with too. And, and the thing is about that is I think nobody, everybody's like swallowing. Oh, well, there's no swallowing issues. He doesn't need speech, but what about the cognition portion speech? Right. And I know occupational therapy addresses that too, like sequencing and stuff, but speech, a lot of that, especially like in a stroke patient is, um, you know, cognition based. And it's like, well, if he doesn't remember to take his pills every day, um, they're not going to do him any good. So what are we going to put into place? And that's something like occupational therapy and speech can help with as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I don't think, you know, with OT and speech, those disciplines are as widely known. I think it's definitely getting a lot better. And I'm, I'm always advocating and adding in OT and a lot of times speech because, we're not addressing those things in physical therapy, or at least I'm not. And I know my P- the PTA isn't, you know, because we have other concerns we're looking at and it's really the whole picture. So this is what I fight a lot with about visits, right? Because what are we doing? How are we, sur- you know, justifying and, and doing right by our patient by only getting so many visits and how to deal with it? I mean, you have to have the hard conversations and stick up for yourself and your discipline, but also then understand it's the the company as well as they're getting pushback from higher ups. And so there kind of has to be a little bit of a balance. And I'll definitely really, really fight for the people that really, really need it and push back. Um, And then, but same thing, yeah, if they're not, if I'm going in to just do exercises, with a program, I mean, that's not a skilled service. So we really have to be making a difference while we're there just to go in and, okay, let's do these exercises. Like that's my, one of my biggest pet peeves is, okay, you're going in and you're just doing the sitting exercises and the standing exercises that the patient can do on their own. Then you need to be doing something else because they can do that. Yeah, that's kind of like homework, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like if you can do it, why am I doing it while you're there and then leaving? Like I need to be problem solving and making a difference while I'm here. So. And then the family, you know, plays a part in that as well. But definitely, I think what you said is true. We have to be our patient's advocate, which can be like, I do love that part of my job, but some days it can wear on you because it's like, I just want to do my job. But now I'm a therapist. I am. Yeah. You know, somebody's a hairdresser, I'm, you know, house cleaner, um, pet setter, uh, you know, you add in all the things. And now I'm a patient advocate, like you have to fight for your, 
your job, but yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, I just view it as like, that's how I'm making a difference. And that's what, that's what's fulfilling for me. Yes. And that's, I think the biggest, one of the biggest differences in home care versus other settings is you, you're there, you're there in the home by yourself and you have so many hats. You're doing so many other different things. And sometimes I love it because, right, we're really solving real time home problems. And sometimes I hate it because I'm not doing physical therapy. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, it just depends on my mood sometimes, how I'm feeling, but it's, it's the like same thing with you. Or your feel schedule like, for the day, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just, ugh. But hopefully that helps a little bit. I mean, with the office, you can just, you take it as is. And if you really, if, if you find that your office or your company is really restricting, then you might need to find a new job and find somebody that's not because there are places out there that are not or are a little bit better, but kind of take it to as a two-way street and advocate for your patients. Absolutely. Uh, so moving on, I think if you want to, I think you've actually talked, you know, a good decent regarding home health and the nursing side aspect. If there's anything else you want to kind of say about what it's like to be a nurse in home health, obviously I can't, you know, speak on that, but Kind of what's I'll say one thing, and I tell this a lot of times to like the families when I'm, you know, doing my start of care assessment and the intake and you know, collaboration. I'll say, um, the way that I've learned to view home care is when you're like just using an example, obviously, there's a multitude of nurses, but using an example because a lot of these patients we get from hospital referrals. When you're in the hospital, the job and the goal is to send the patient home. But our job is the opposite. Our job is to keep the patient home, right? So right. I think that we, our job is to keep the patient out of the hospital. It's almost the opposite. And I feel like in hospitals, rightly so, they have the ideal settings. Everything they have, they feed the patient the correct diet. I mean, in, in, granted, patients refuse. They have, they give the patients the meds on the time. They do all the things ideally. But when they get home, that's when reality sets in. And I think that, um, the education again for family for the patients for everybody goes a long way and but we're teaching the patient how to live in reality and live with their disease processes I can't tell you how many times I've gone in and the patient will be diabetic for so many years and a1c which is a measure of how well their diabetes is managed will be 20 and so obviously yeah I had one yesterday obviously they're not managing it well. So you want to go in and reassess everything. I'll literally go into refrigerators and cabinets and be like, okay, what is your meal? Like, what are you eating? Because in the hospital, they're feeding them food. So they're like, oh, their blood sugar is great. Yes, because they're getting their meds on time. You know, so I'll literally fill the Medi planner. I will, you know, the pill organizer. I'll set, if they have an iPhone, I'll set timers on their phone to remind them we can write notes, you know, working systems so that they can get there, but also working in the reality. If they're a certain kind of culture where they, you know, tend to cook certain types of foods, it's like, well, I'm not saying you can't have that, but have this maybe add in some, you know, fresh fruits and vegetable, increase your water intake, because at the end of the day, you can't force patients to change. Number one, if they don't want to. Number two, if it's something they've been doing for umpteen years, you know, it's sometimes better instead of saying, well, okay, I I know he's still going to drink a Diet Coke every day or, or a two liter of Dr. Pepper, but can we maybe every other be a glass of water? Like, you know what I mean? And it's reality based because if you tell the patient don't drink any soda, 
And I feel like sometimes the doctor's offices, not to say anything bad about doctors, but I feel like they're seeing the patient a snippet of the time and they're like, oh, don't do this, eat this, have a great day. And yeah, then it's not going to oh, happen. Right. And the patients and the family will sometimes say we're overwhelmed. And, you know, that's when we go in and say, here, this is like a diet plan. Like, do you like this? Do you Like, you can sit down and do all of that with them. So I feel like, and that's just one example, but our, our job is the opposite of them. And also we get to see the things they're doing in their home. Like, okay, this is where you sit all day long. Your feet need to be elevated. So we need to figure this out or, you know, maybe rearrange furniture or add pillows and do something that they're going to adhere to and that it's going to be comfortable for them. Um, so that's basically, um, and then again, collaborating with all the therapies and doing the best for the patient. Um, and so that's kind of like why I really love home health nursing, because I do love educating. I do love being able to really get to know the patient on a, you know, a cohesive, like their whole, every facet of their personality and their family life, you know, who does the cooking and, you know, these different things, um, that affect them. And you don't see that in a setting because you've removed the patient from their natural life when they're in any other facility, you know? So and they're going to say, that, oh, I'm fine, or I eat great, or of course I drink water, or exactly. but when I, I elevate my legs, and you're like, but you don't have anywhere to elevate your legs, you know, you correct. can't get to the kitchen safely, you know, you don't have anybody to bring you meals, so yeah, that I mean, I 100% agree, that's really why I love home health too, that you can, I feel like you can be really effective and help a lot more and problem solve. Every time, I mean, you're seeing something new every day. Every time I go into a, a new house or a new person, you see something new, something different, a different problem to solve, in a sense. Yes, so, never, never a dull moment, I like to never say. Never a dull moment. Um, with that, why don't we move on to some home health stories? Should <laughs> <laughs> okay, I go first? Sure. How, what, what do you got? Home health stories. Yes. This is one of my craziest encounters. Um, so it didn't happen this week, but this week had its own issues. Yeah. But, um, so I had seen this patient before and it's, I live in, um, South Florida. So just FYI. So this patient had a large home with a pool and behind the pool was a pool house that they had converted to an apartment with a full kitchen and everything. And that's where the patient resides. So to get to the home, they told me, okay, there's the big house. And then you walk through the gate and um, then you go through the pool area to the pool house. Right. So I was like, yeah. okay, great. So all the patient, you know, did my assessment, whatever. And so the next for my next visit, the gate was locked. So I knocked on the main door and the husband of the patient answered the door and he saw me and literally panicked. And he was like, oh, my God, I forgot you were coming today. He immediately, he's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, uh, okay, it, it's okay. And he immediately picked up his phone and he, he said to whoever was on the other line, he said, the nurse is here. Everybody get out of the pool. Everybody has to get dressed. And I was oh like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, I told him, listen, I'm a nurse, not a nun, like, nothing is going to bother me, you know? Yeah. So, um, and we kind of like laughed about it. So he's like, all right, well come through. So people were in various stages of 
undressed, but he brought me through the house to the pool and there were several people there. And he ended up telling me that they rent out their house and that they're part of the nudist community. And they rent out their house to people who are part of that lifestyle. And so they were just, it was a beautiful day. Everybody was lounging by the pool. Um, And the patient is part of this community as well. So he told me, you know, usually we have him dressed for you. And I'm like, because I, I, a lot of people might be bothered by this. I'll say that. I'm not. So I was just like, you know what, because of what I had to do with the patient, it's honestly easier for me to have him naked because every time I'm having to undress him and he's like extensive to total assist, meaning, you know, it's more work for me and for the caregiver. So I said, if this is his natural state, don't get him dressed for me, you know? Yeah. And so um, they were, they're honestly, they're great people. I still, still, he's no longer my patient, but I still talk to them on occasion to this day. Um, and they, they always introduced me to people because sometimes when I was there in the past, like the barber would be there because they had, you know, they had a lot of money to have in-home services. And oddly enough, they're all also part of the nudist community. So whenever they would introduce me to someone, they'd say, oh, this is Miranda. She's a nurse, not a nun. So, <laughs> so um, it, we just kind of rolled with it. But it was definitely kind of the craziest thing I see. But from then on, I knew that anytime I was walking through that gate, I didn't know what I was going to see. And I was never bothered by it. But sometimes the people were like, oh, there's a clothed woman here. And they would quickly cover up. But listen, honey, as a nurse, I'm judging you. Why do you have clothes on? (laughs) I see it all. I'm totally comfortable with nudity. Like I said, in this case, especially, it was easier. So um, that was kind of the craziest, one of the craziest things I've seen. I definitely feel like I need to write a book, though, because we do run into a multitude of, of scenarios in nursing. And, and, you know, again, never a dull moment. And you really just kind of have to roll with it sometimes. I mean, as long as it's, for me, as long as it's not unsafe, I don't really care what you're doing. Um, right, just, and I yeah, never felt uncomfortable. Nobody, yeah, I never felt uncomfortable. And, and to me, it's like, again, home care. Why would I make him? do something that's not his normal thing that's more work for him and for me oh yeah especially doing like skin assessments like great be naked (laughs) exactly I was like one less step for me to do you just like made my job easier do you have a crazy story um I don't I don't know but my my week has been crazy this week um I don't know if people have been following my stories, but Tuesday, like, Tuesday just kind of broke me. I mean, nothing specifically with, like, crazy kind of stories, but just kind of in home care and crazy weeks that sometimes, like, and I kind of did it to myself. I scheduled, I scheduled too many people. Um, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have accepted that they added two admissions to me. And I probably shouldn't have accepted them and moved them to the next day. But it's like, you know, when you just have those days where everything kind of builds, builds up and it's like one thing after the next, after the next, after the next, and you're documenting and then there's office issues and people being crazy. Well, I just, fuck, I just like lost it. And uh, I don't know. Like I it posted this was like horrible. I'd send this text to of a speech therapist that's a coworker that we kind of just talk on our drives and 
I literally would just lost my fucking mind. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I can't say it, say too much more about kind of what happened, but, uh, that's kind of just been, that's just been my week this week of, you know, sometimes things just really just hit the fan and, uh, I woke up the next day, I felt feeling a little better after I slept and kind of calmed down and realized, you know, it was probably just too long of a day. And sometimes those days happen. But uh, just that people know, you, you know, I've had you some respond, regular like, life too. You have to come home and do life too. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I have, I have two kids at home, you know, and you're, you know, oh, watch me do this or watch me do that. And I'm like, oh, I'm documenting like, I'm working until 9.30 at night, which I normally never do. I'm usually pretty good with my schedule that I don't have to work too much at home. Um, Occasionally, like too much in the evening. But uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just, but it's nice to know. I had somebody respond, you know, it's nice to hear that, that it's not just, you know, all roses and home health and on Instagram or social media or websites that talk about how great home health is. And it is, it's great, you know, over all the settings, but sometimes things just add up and, and really get to you, but kind of, it's a new day, you know? So then like what I did the next day, I just scheduled my day a little bit lighter. Um, I mean, I think I saw like six points yesterday and I did like nine and a half on, on Tuesday, but had an hour meeting and went outside my territory. So I ended up working almost 12 hours, which I never do. So I don't know. I really don't know what the fuck happened, but. <laughs> but I think it's your beauty. And like you said, and knowing that you're not alone. And honestly, yeah. when I came across your page, it's epic. And it's amazing because it's, I think as healthcare workers, we all end up with like kind of a dark sense of humor. And I think the more that you can laugh at things, especially when you've had a rough day or when you right. see even just a meme and it's like, oh my God, that happened to me today. It's like that feeling that you're not alone. And it's like other people are, like you said, they're in the trenches with you because it can feel alone in home care. Cause we don't, yes. I, I mean, we see a lot of people, we don't see our coworkers on a daily basis. Right. So I feel like yeah, in my really, rarely like ever see other coworkers. Um, exactly it's intended that way we we're not supposed to like co-treat or overlap except for you know on occasion when it's necessary um but I feel like you're my virtual co-worker (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's what I feel like I would like to be right if somebody you know I have people that'll vent to me about things in my dms and y'all can do that anytime because I understand something shock me I'm still kind of not over the dm of the person giving a shower to a patient and he turned around and ejaculated on her arm that mm. will like live rent free in my head. And <laughs> I, well, okay, that situation I talked about before I was doing a philosophy. So the patient just dropped their whole pants, which was not necessary and was fondling himself. So I had oh to finish goodness. what I was doing. Patient didn't speak English was another thing that I was like, what are you, yeah I gotta go no is universal in all languages <laughs> I was just like I have no. to go <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like you know and you do get you do get these stories in you know inpatient and acute care and whatnot but I think the difference in home care is that you're alone 
and yeah. you're out there by there's yourself versus that's happening in a hospital. You can just walk out the door and there's staff, there's people, there's, you know, support versus here. Yeah. Okay. I can just leave, but right. it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. I'll say that. Oh, yeah. but, definitely a good time all yes. around. Yes. So I, I love think it. all oh. these complaints, but I love it and I'm, I'm not leaving. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, every once in a while I'll look on indeed and I'm like, you know, I just, the grass isn't always greener and you know, home health definitely isn't for everybody. You got to kind of have a thick skin. You got to be flexible. You got to kind of just roll with a lot of things. Um, but it's, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think I could do a different setting unless it was something completely out of healthcare, but. <laughs> right. Right. All right. So I think we'll kind of wrap it up there and, uh, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, you can always reach out to me on my Instagram at Home Health Chronicles and submit any questions or topics that you'd like to be discussed. Um, I think, Miranda, also you have a, a nursing Instagram. Do you I have do. Oh, I what? wish I If I X out of this thing, will it end the call? Yeah. Um, okay. We can, I'll tag you um, okay. in everything so you can kind of check out Miranda's Instagram as well and then kind of stay tuned um, for next week. I'll try and post on Mondays and just let me know what you think in the comments and what you'd like to hear. All right. Thanks everybody. Bye.